yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on. <laughs> We're totally on, dude. We're on. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. This is DJ Crystal Clear here at the world-famous As It Should Be Studios with my engineer, the lovely, the talented Dr. Paul Bertolino. <laughs> that, that took some concentration. I had, I'm sitting here with my eyes closed. Going, what's his name again? What's, what his, name is, again? what's his name again? What's his name again? Yeah. <laughs> and we're back with episode number 25 of Original Versus Cover. And uh, I'm going to get right in it here. Song number one is Gloria. And the original version was recorded by a band called Them, which I think is a really great band name. Cause it's it's kinda, pretty good. It's, it's you know, akin creepy. to Who. Who, yes. Uh, Wait, is the cover Laura Branigan? <laughs> unfortunately, no. Ah, oh, damn. I do have three covers for this, though, and she's not one of them. Um, it's a rock song written by the infamous Northern Irish singer-songwriter Van Morrison and was originally recorded by that band in 1964, and it was released as a B-side, which I didn't know initially, of Baby Please Don't Go. The song became a garage rock staple and a part of many rock bands' repertoire. Uh, it's particularly memorable for its Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, chorus. It's sung at every karaoke bar. It's at on every jukebox in every raggedy ass bar ever and people just love it and <laughs> there's a bar I drank at in college um, McGlinchy's and they had a good rock and roll jukebox but at a certain time of the night this one regular we would just get up and he's like Van Morrison Van Morrison and he just starts screaming his name making his way to the jukebox and everybody's like oh shit and then we'd all start taking bets is it going to be Moondance or is it going to be Gloria oh he would attempt Moondance yeah and this is not a karaoke bar this was just some drunk oh okay I see, I see. <laughs> yeah he was just like Bleh! and it was always Moondance <laughs> no it's Astro Weeks we, in its entirety. Now! Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. Shut up. Uh, yeah, so it was more often it was Moon Dance, but then he would start screaming this every once in a while. So the reason why people love it, the kids love it, is because it's three chords and it's pretty easy to play. So it's popular if you're learning how to play guitar. But oddly enough, this is not a song that you hear when you're walking through Guitar Center. Well... Every little bit helps. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that that's that's one of those songs like uh, Louie Louie and Johnny Be Good and fucking Mustang Sally. That if you're going to go into a bar and there's a bunch of dads in shorts with uh, Stratocasters on the stage, that's you're going to hear that. That's shit. what you're going to hear. Yeah, that's true. So my first cover is by a band called The Shadows of Night. Never heard of them before. You know this band? I, I, I do know them. Not personally, but you know. Oh, okay. Um, so they recorded the song and was released as a single in December of 65, and then later included on the album of the same name. Um, it's a faithful but more low-key uh, version of it. It reached number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1966. Due to its popularity with radio stations that chose not to play the original version by them because of its more controversial lyrics... The Shadows of Night replaced Morrison's line, She comes to my room with, She calls out my name. Which I think could be equally dirty. 
It is, but you know, those old men didn't know. It was it was easy to throw them off the scent. That's true. Uh, my second cover is by The Doors, and it was uh, it was rec- they recorded it a couple of times. It seems. Well, it was just a sound check recording that they did. They didn't record it officially in the studio. Right. That's it. So it's timed between '68 and '70. And uh, one of them was released on Alive, She Cried in 1983. It was released as a single, which reached 18 on the hot mainstream rock tracks chart. (laughs) But, like... Tracks with an X? Hot... (laughs) With two X's. Oh, shit. No, no, true. Actually, this is Gloria. It was three X's. It was three X's, right. But hot mainstream rock tracks chart. Very easy. It rolls right off the tongue. Rolls right off. I talked before about how they made up this shit at Billboard. Um, and number 71 on the Hot 100 in, in 1983. That's when it was on the charts. In 1983. <coughs> yeah, well, you, you remember this? Yeah. Yeah, because there yeah. was an MTV video and everything. Yes, because I was in that was high school in my first year of college, 83. Uh, the song is also included on Legacy, The Absolute Best from 2003, and The Very Best of the Doors in 2007. That version that we heard a million times as a single yeah. is an edit of that. The actual original performance of that is like eight minutes long, long or something, and you listen to it, and it's like every once in a while you'll get a glimmer of like, oh, I recognize this section, and then it goes into just a bunch of other crap for a while. Like, oh, okay, I remember this <laughs> section. And, and, you, and you listen to it, and you go, wow. It's really, the editing they did on that was masterful. Amazing. Yeah, it's masterful. Like, mm-hmm. they turned it into, like, it sounds like a... A real song. A studio Doors track yeah. that was, like, really well, highly arranged. And it, th- their performance was not arranged. They're, like, sleep... They're just, like, going where they're going and figuring it out. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it sounds like they recorded it in the studio. Yeah. And, oh, all right. Well, they, they were making the uh, Absolutely Live album at the time, and so they were recording their every single show really well for a possible oh. live album. So they have like a ton of tapes from that year. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And when it was shitty, was he just like rambling and blathering and Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, guitar sort of. solo I mean, it's just it's just it's the fat of that is just like a jam. Oh. You know, okay. and he's kind of just figuring things. They're they're figuring things out. Like they don't have an arrange, arrangement for it. They're just they didn't just like sit around and learn the song. They're just do, they're just doing it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. All right. And, uh, yeah. So then the third cover is done by, everybody knows she's not my favorite, Patti Smith. Oh, wow. You're, you're going there, huh? Uh, well, I have to include it because everybody knows this. Um, a lot of people remember the, her cover of this. 1975, from her album, Horses. And because she was a poet, or she is a poet, or whatever, based on the Morrison tune, the lyrics are reinvented for the nascent punk rock movement, retaining only the chorus and adding possibly ironic allusions to the sacred allusions of the title. Her spoken intro begins, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Ooh, so deep. Um, (laughs) And according to some writer... Uh, I said, Smith's intermingling of lascivious sex and religious guilt, or lack thereof, certainly foreshadows similar-slash-sacred profane juxtapositions from an ultra-feminine Madonna and an androgynous prince. Ooh. Yeah, I think it's giving her too much credit. Well, but that's just me. Right. So, now we're going to... So you've well, you've heard all of these. All right. I've heard all those. All right, so now we're going to listen to these three and come back and, and pick... A winner. 
because I know who loses. <laughs> Patty Smith. <laughs> Well, now that we know each other a little bit better, 
All right. All right. So, uh, who's your favorite, Paul? Well, you know what? You know what my favorite is out of all those? Uh-oh. By a mile. Uh-oh. The Doors. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Because I, I don't... Eh, you know, the the, van, the the them version, I don't really like that much because I... I don't like that! Like, I'm not into that shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, okay, got all it. Right. And then, like you said, Shadows of the Night is basically just a copy of the same, same version. Same thing, yeah. And, you know, obviously the Patti Smith version sucks, so, I mean, what does that leave you with? The Doors. And I actually, and it isn't really by default that I choose The Doors. I like the version of it. Yeah, I like it the best, too. Uh, like I said, I can't stand Patti Smith. Yeah. And The Shadows of a Night is, why did you even bother? I don't even... Who are those people? Did they put out a lot of records? Uh, it's only one that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, I mean, they were just like one of those mid-60s garage bands, you know, fuzzing for a visa, you know, <laughs> and, you know, Rolling Stones attitude Dude. kind of oh, okay. garage bands, you know. Got it. Who, I wonder who signed them. Do you remember what label they were on? Uh, yes, but it's not coming to me right now. I can picture, um, you can yeah. blurt it out later. All right, so on to song number two, and it is Romeo's tune. Uh, the original was recorded by Steve Forbert and released in 1979 and was the lead single from his album called Jack Rabbit Slim. The song became an international hit during the winter of 1980 and boy, was it ever a hit. Ugh. Meet me in the middle of the day. Everything's okay. Yeah. It was on the radio non-stop. Yeah. Twice an hour at least. Yeah, it was on a lot. And There's a little bit of Springsteen in, in the music of that, I think. You know, like the way the piano is. Yeah, it is It is Springsteen-ish. Um, but it did its best in Canada, where it became a top ten hit. And it was Forbert's only major charting single. Uh, the distinctive piano lick was done by former Elvis Presley pianist Bobby Ogden. Oh, wow. How about that? So, wow. He was a well-known Nashville session player, so... Yeah, that's that's who we got. And I only have one cover of this, and it's done by a Mr. Keith Urban from his Greatest Hits album in 2007. <laughs> now, I know you haven't heard that. I haven't. I, I, I've, I've avoided Keith Urban whenever and wherever possible. Yeah. So, the Keith Urban is... It's very. It's Keith Urban. It's country-ish, and the, because the guitars are twangy, that's what makes it country. You right. Know? Well, he probably does his little, you know, uh, vocal affectations that let you know he's country. You know, like yes. the little. Well, he's from Australia, so he has to try really hard. Right. Yeah. To, so okay. So it's definitely an affectation. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. Although he's not as like hillbilly twangy as you know Garth Brooks or somebody else who's heavier with that yeah um so this i qualify it as easy listening country well i don't i don't consider it at all easy to listen to so i don't know what you're saying (laughs) oh yeah Uh, easy listening as in it's on a compilation from starbucks yeah yeah no i I do know what you mean yeah you know you know i've got to get those jokes uh yes you do zing all right so we're gonna listen to these these two and uh yeah and pick a winner Everything's okay Bring me southern kisses from your room Meet me in the middle of the night Let 
me hear you say everything's alright Let me smell the moon in your perfume Oh, gods and years when rise and fall and there's always something more Lost in talk, I waste my time and it's all been said before While further down behind the masquerade the tears are there I don't ask for all that much, I just want someone to Forty-nine seconds in, that was enough for Paul. So, yeah, that was too much for Paul. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it's not bad. Neither are rice cakes. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like like what was I saying the other day on the phone? Pottery barn. Pottery barn. That's fucking pottery barn Thank music. You. Yes, it's That's very, very pottery barn. I, you know, it is what it is. Steve Forbert wins, obviously. <laughs> By a country mile. <laughs> yes, no it pun were. intended. Yes, it were. <laughs> Actually, that really just came out. I really didn't. Wow. I was not trying. I was not reaching. The Lord's looking out for us. Uh, no. He's bringing how? us all the, the zings and everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I really like that song. I'm okay with the song, but yeah, I don't know. I never liked it much, but I think I probably like it more now than I did then just simply because it's of that moment. It's one of those songs that got played to death at the time that doesn't really carry over. Like, you're not going to hear it on an oldie station now. No. You would only hear it on an oldie station if the DJ was very... Desperate? (laughs) Not (laughs) desperate. It was, like, if he was very conscientious of, oh, yeah, this was a big hit, but nobody else plays it, so I'm going to play it kind of thing. You know? Oh, right, right. Yeah, this is untapped. Kind of yeah, deal. I would. I, that's what I would do. I would totally play this. If somebody was like, "Can you? I got a DJ gig. Can you play some '70s and '80s songs?" I would definitely right because anybody who who's from that time who would know the song would be like, "Holy shit, shit! I haven't heard this since I was nine. Exactly. Yeah. So that's I, I like it, and I can't even remember anything else that he's done that he did. Neither can he. <laughs> did I mean, he play who, with who other know? people? Steve Forbert did, wasn't. What other band was he in? Wasn't he in another band? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I just remember the cover with his stupid face <laughs> oh, right <laughs> yeah you know, that's very white background and him like yeah, playing the guitar yeah Stratocaster yes um yeah you know it is what it is but I do like that song alright song number three is Love the One You're With and I have one two three covers of this only three. <laughs> Only Couldn't three. we have just added like three or four more? We I, could have. I could have. Yeah, imagine how far Gloria could have gone. I could have done one episode just on this song alone. Uh, so it's a song by folk rock musician Stephen Stills, was released as the lead single from his debut self-titled studio album in November of 1970. The song, inspired by a remark Stills heard from Billy Preston, became his biggest hit single peaking at 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 in early 71. David Crosby and Graham Nash from Crosby, Stills & Nash provided backing vocals on the song, and the song was also covered by a number of artists, most notably the Isley Brothers, the Meters, Bucks Fizz, 
I don't know who the fuck that is, and uh, <laughs> Luther Vandross, and like a hundred others. Uh, so Stills wrote the song after being inspired by the tagline, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, which was a frequent remark by Billy Preston. Stills explained in 91, this song has been very good to me. The title came from a party with Billy Preston. I asked him if I could pinch this line he had, and he said, sure. So I took the phrase and wrote a song around it. It's a good time song, just a bit of fun. My favorite part is the steel drums. I played them before a little bit, but I just kept diddling around until I found the right notes. So wow. I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know they played steel drums. Billy in Preston, it. he's 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 being pinched from an awful lot. Yeah. Um, Too nice that guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and you may have known this, or I don't know if you if you watched that uh, my Stones songs video that just came out, but oh yeah, miss you. Came out of a jam between Mick and, and Billy Preston, Preston. Yep. Which means Billy Preston came up with a whole mm. chunk of that music because mm-hmm. he wasn't just sitting there following Mick. He was putting shit in there. Down, yeah, laying but it down. Who gets the credit? You uh, know, surprise. Yeah. And I would love to hear that the di- like the fo- the goof arounds the the jam between the jam. them. Yeah, 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 and see what Billy was putting in there. Yeah, yeah I'm dying to hear that because it's like, was he playing a B three? What was he doing? Yeah. Yeah. And we all know Billy Preston was one of the most funkiest gospel-y musicians on the planet Earth. So, uh, the first cover is by the Isley Brothers in 1971. Um, it was very gospel-driven, and it was on the R&B charts, went to number 18 on the pop chart, and uh, their, it was their fifth U.S. Top 40 pop single. And it's the Isley Brothers. I, I can't. That's all I need to say is the Isley Brothers. And then uh, the second cover is by Aretha Franklin from her 1971 live album, album, album. Oh, <laughs> album. Yeah, I'm doing it again. We, we still got this going. Yeah, um, Aretha Franklin live at Fillmore West. And it's Aretha Franklin. Right. So it's Aretha Franklin. And the third cover is by Luther Vandross. Uh, it came out on his 1994 album called Songs. It peaked at uh, in the top 30 of uh, Billboard's hot R&B singles, 33 on the hot adult contemporary tracks. They love everything's hot. And earned him a 1995 Grammy nomination for the Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Commented... Hailed king of the silky ballads, Luther also knows how to speed it up. In a New Orleans way and challenged by a gospel group, the Stephen Stills cover shows him at his toughest. And I really, I really like, I really like all three of these. Hmm. And I have to say, the first time I heard the original version, I had no idea that it was Stephen Stills singing lead. For some reason, I just didn't. It just didn't register as him. I don't even know why. Like, I just thought they were a bunch of hippies. <laughs> yeah, you just picture a bunch of hippies, like, on a hill somewhere. Somewhere, like, I, you know, in I thought, is this a missing song from the Hair soundtrack right. or something? Yeah, you know what? I, as a kid, when I was first hearing that song, I don't think I even knew who Stephen Stills was yet. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know for quite a while. Yeah, I, you know, uh, it came out in 70, so I was not conscientious about it until the mid 70s because it was always on am radio all the time and yeah i just thought it was either from hair or godspell or something <laughs> but yeah you're right no i now that you mention it i think that's kind of what 
I thought of too. What came into my my head when I heard that song was yeah, just a bunch of hippies and you know, and flowing whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, you know, dudes and ponchos and chicks and dresses down their ankles yeah, with no yeah. underwear on, see through in the sun, and you know, daisy chain around their head, loving the one they're with every chance possible. <laughs> Nonstop. Yes. Hippie orgy. Yeah. So we're gonna listen to these and then come back with a winner. If you're down and confused and you don't remember who you're talking to, concentration, slip away, because your baby is so far away. So I'll start with the Isley Brothers. Um, that was 1971. And if you look at the cover of that album, 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 if you look at the cover of that album, you will see that they are, they got afros, but they're in just like, you know, mock turtlenecks, short sleeve shirts and jeans. And they've all, they're all, it's like, it's outside and it's a sepia tone photo and they all have guitars and they're just like 
I don't. They think look I like this a cover. folk trio, like a black folk oh, trio. Really? It was yeah. like like by a tree with like some sun poking through. Kinda, yeah. So it's before they became the Asley right, Brothers. Right, before like the leather outfits the, with like studs and before shit. Before the crazy drag, yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to it, it is kind of that vibe. Like, they're still doing it sort of folky, even though it's well, the Isley Brothers, so you can't escape it being funky as fuck. I mean, yeah, I mean, it sounds, no matter what, that like they, they sound like them on that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like it. I like it. And then Aretha, she literally took it to church, because she was in church. And a full horn section, and congas, and tambourine, and... You know, it's very church. Churchy. It's churchy. Churchy. And then Luther did the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say, he took it to church. He they sound like they're literally in a church. That reverb yeah. screams somewhere in some church in Alabama somewhere. Exactly. And I am not a religious person by any means, and everybody who knows me knows that. And what I love about these two things is that they, they kind of make me opine for gospel music. I do enjoy a lot of gospel music because, not that I was raised with it particularly, but um, my father's father was the deacon at their neighborhood church, so my father was church 25 hours a day, eight days a week for his childhood. And every once in a while he would play some old gospel records at home. And my mom, she had gospel records, and it was like, you know, the Mahalia Jackson, the, you know, standard stuff. But then, you know, like, Oh, Happy Day and those things. Uh, and then Reverend Franklin and Aretha and her, her sister and all that. So I have a soft spot for gospel music. I really do enjoy a lot of it. And I, I will admit that when I remember, every year I watch the McDonald's Grand Prix of Gospel Music Award Show. That's not the name of it, but that's basically <laughs> what it say, is. I don't know if that's like... It's like, you know, the McDonald's, you know, gospel choir, you know, international, such and such, or whatever. And, you know, it's shot on Betamax somewhere down south in a gigantic, one of those mega churches or whatever in some huge auditorium. And uh, it's a competition of gospel choirs. And it's really fucking amazing. To see how they outdo each other, because you can't outdo black people. I have never seen it. Yeah, it's, and it comes on, you know, it's, it'll be like on an ABC station, on a Sunday at like eight o'clock at night, mm. randomly. You know, it's not. An I thought you were gonna say three a.m. Well, that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an upfront thing. So I have to say, I have to say, for me, for me, I don't know. It's kind of a tie between the three covers for me. I, I do like the Stephen Stills original, but there's just something about these three, each one of them, because it's the Isley Brothers and Aretha Franklin and Luther Vandross. I can't... <laughs> you, hmm. They're three epic you know, entities here. Right, well... There's not one that I hate. I don't hate any of them. But... <laughs> What? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm all Stephen Stills all day on this. <laughs> yeah. Although the Aretha one is head and shoulders above the others as far as the covers, I think. Yeah, it is. It is good. I just like I just like all three of them. That's me. All right. Song number four is "Don't Speak," and the original was done by No Doubt. 
from their big, huge, crazy mega album, Tragic Kingdom, in 1995. And uh, for those who don't know, her brother Eric was in that band when they, uh, like, he was the original lead singer. And then he had a mental breakdown and quit the band, and then she became the singer. Uh, Which I've heard old songs with him singing, and they were good. But, you know, if you got some kooky blonde with Betty Boop voice, you know, why not go for it? Right, so maybe less distinct with him? Definitely, yeah. It was just like a rock band, you know. Um, So he wrote it as an upbeat, bouncy 70s kind of thing. It's it's floating in the in the ether as a demo. Like, oh, with him. With him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I looked for it. I can't find it. Uh, but she changed it into a breakup song because she was breaking up with the bass player Tony Canal in the band. Ah, yes. Yeah, they were together Rumors. for seven years. <laughs> yes, they were together for seven years, and they were breaking up while recording that first major album. That's that's how you get a hit album, people. Break up, <laughs> break up with your your significant other who's in the band as you're making the album that will be a huge album talk to Fleetwood Mac about it yeah um so to me it's kind of a middle of the road song and her voice in this is so uh, the backing vocals yeah the backing vocals it's I don't know it's like 20 tracks of her and it's just it's it's grating yeah. The high, the her high notes, and I, it, I can't deal. But the funny thing is, is that this song has been sampled by a bunch of hip hop artists, <laughs> which I'm like, I didn't even know that. So Rakim uh, used it for a song called "Dedicated," and Ice Cube, Ice Cube, used a sample of that song in his in his song "War and Peace," which wow. I'm thinking, how did Ice Cube? get on no doubt i don't know uh and i have one cover of this song and it's done by leela james from her album a change is gonna come that came out in 2005 so leela james is a great r&b uh soul singer from the from like the late 90s early aughts uh with the, the class of angie stone and erica badu and um you know, a bunch of others. And so, when she did this, she funkified it. It's R&B, it's got a little hip-hop sample, and she worked with Raphael Sadiq, who I'm pretty sure produced this, because it sounds exactly like something he would do. She worked with Kanye West, she worked with Wyclef Jean, and Pete Rock. So it's soulful, a little hip-hop spin, Um, it follows the original arrangement, but it's smoothed out R&B, and has an acoustic guitar and a subdued vocal with some kooky samples in it. So um, I find it very interesting. So we're going to listen to these and then pick a winner. You and me, we used to be together every day together, always. I really feel that I'm to know 
So Paul lasted 24 seconds with Alila James. Okay. <laughs> For a legit reason. Well, well, it's just that little matter of it sucking. That's all. There's that. Uh, the vocal thing. I don't even get me started on the fucking vocal affectation. Yeah, it's uh, it's annoying, and it was very popular. Every R and B R and B singers, if they weren't doing 80,000 runs on one note. Then they were doing that. They were they were doing the orgasm voice. Yeah, the <laughs> orgasm voice. Yes. The, the the tight throat orgasm voice. Yeah, like, hurry up and smoke this pack of cools and get in the booth. <laughs> yeah. You can't breathe. Yeah. So even though it has all those problems, I'm picking it over the original. Oof. Well. And I I'll say, probably because I'm sick of hearing the original. And I'll grow sick of hearing Leela James's version. Oh God! But yeah. Well, I know this is a Sophie's choice for you, but <laughs> it kind of. Well, as as Crystal was about to play these, you know, we we do our little segments here, and then I we stop and we don't record while we're actually listening to them. And uh, <laughs> and what I said to her when we weren't recording was that I know already how this is gonna go, and that was because my intention was to simply say. They both lose. Fuck that shit. <laughs> but you know what? I hated that cover so much, I'm going to give it to fucking No Doubt. Ooh, child. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well. I was going to give it to no one. But that's how much the cover. I hated the cover. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that No Doubt song. I am shocked. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is going on your permanent record, Paul. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, I'll even take No Doubt over... Raptor, Velociraptor. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Okay. Song number five is "Sail on Sailor." Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was done, the original was done by the Beach Boys from their album called Holland in 1973. And there's a whole messy thing behind this song, which I'm sure you could recite chapter and verse probably. Right, because they because they were it was briefly. A- Relocated to Holland to try to get everything back on track and get Brian away from all these bad influences. And Which I'm like, Holland? Yeah. Why would they pick Holland? They should just take him to Amsterdam, Damn. you know? Just like, yeah. Because <laughs> all they had to do was walk across the street to Amsterdam and get stoned, but yeah. yeah. Weird. Um, and then the cover is by Los Lobos. Oh, shit. From their album called Native Sons that came out this year in 2021. Oh. How about that? So, uh, so yeah, so the original version. Uh, the song is actually called, for those who don't know, I Know There's an Answer. And you'll hear that in the song. But, you know, the chorus, Hang On To Your Ego, it's so awesome, that's what people think it's called. So, uh, it's from their 1966 album, Pet Sounds, which whoa, whoa, whoa. is... We, we, we've, we've, we've... We've moved over into a different Beach Boys song. Oh, wait a minute. What did I say? We're on Sail on Sailor. You were going into I Know There's an Answer. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, shit. It was weird. It was like this weird, like, wait a minute. Oh, right. What's happening here? Suddenly. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't even know why. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Wrong information. All right. So, Sail on Sailor. So, 
when I first heard this song, I didn't know who it was because of Blondie singing it. I also didn't know. And because of that, it did not sound like a Beach Boys song at all to me. Right. I thought it was really weird. And I heard that Dennis took a crack at the vocal on his way to surf. Right, right. Did you ever have you ever heard that? I didn't know that and I haven't heard it, but um yeah. Yeah. So that Blondie guy was from The Flames? Yeah, The Flames later The Flame. The Flame. And that uh cuz he couldn't say The Flames because of James Brown right. uh, famous flames, yeah. Yeah, Carl Wilson and Al Jardine kind of discovered them. They're from South Africa and they they had their Beach Boys had their brothers Brother Records label, and they saw these guys and went, "Wow, these guys are great!" Oh, and, and they signed them and produced a really great Abbey Roadish kind of album for them. Okay, because I've never heard the album. And looking at this guy Blondie, I think he's a black guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, he's light eyes, light skin. Yeah, yeah. Super. Yeah. Light complected, but the pictures I've seen of him, I was like, that hair is a twisted up afro. He is a black person. Um. So, yeah, the song is... Oh, there we go. All right. I'm going to post a picture. <laughs> Paul has uh, both these albums here. Yeah, the Flame album and then the Blondie Chaplin solo album from the mid-70s. Yeah. Is that good? The solo album? Yeah, it's pretty album? good. I kind of like it. Yeah, see? Yeah, I mean, he kind of looks, looks like almost... Trevor Noah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like Trevor Noah's like crossed, dad Crossed with Phil Linett. Yes, Phil Linett. Yeah, yeah. That mustache. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Weird. All right, yeah. So, um... All right, we're going to listen to both of these and then come back with a winner. But, like, we have to decide.
Damn the thunder, must I blunder? There's no wonder, all I'm under. Stop the crying and the lying and the sighing and my dying. Yeah. Okay, so it's basically they just took the backing track from the Beach Boys song and then sang with no soul over the top of it. Right. <laughs> basically. Los Lobos. Yeah. I I can't even tell that that guy's not white singing. And you're not going to put any kind of Mexican flavor on it and make it your own sort or of? Or just, you know, just do the Los Lobos version. Of it. Why another case of why bother? What's the point? You did exactly the same thing. If nobody had told me that that was Los Lobos, I probably would have taken me like five listens to pick up on his voice. Well, again, again, you wouldn't have known that the person singing wasn't white. Yeah. So, that was a waste of time. So, obviously, the Beach Boys win that. Because... Um, oh, yeah, I guess maybe I should point out that the Beach Boys win, just in case you had Just in case. <laughs> yeah. All right, and now song number six, another Beach Boys song called "I Know There's an Answer." Oh, that's where that came Hang from. Hang on, here okay. you go. Yeah, that's I why. just like skipped right past it. Okay. Uh, yeah, from Pet Sounds in 1966. So uh, it's the Beach Boys, written by Brian Wilson, Terry Sachin. Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, no, I think it shouldn't it should be Tony Asher. Oh, I what I got was Brian Wilson, Terry Sachin, and Mike Love. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's right. Now, Tony Asher is the guy who did the lyrics on most of the songs on Pet Sounds. Uh, I guess I guess he must not have done the lyrics on that particular one. That's the one. one he didn't do. Yeah. Um, so the song was inspired by Wilson's experience with LSD and his struggle with ego death. Musically, it's distinguished for its colorful arrangement, unorthodox structure, and the bass harmonica solo. The instrumentation also includes guitars, tack piano, banjo, clarinets, flutes, electronic keyboards, and timpani. So it's like the Phil Spector wall of sound thing going on here. Um, you know, which is not uncommon to Brian Wilson. Yeah. Um, Wilson Love and Al Jardine trade the lead vocal, for which the melody spans two octaves. And what I find interesting is that at first listen, if you don't, if you're not a Beach Boys fan, you're like, are these different voices? Like they're just slightly different? Because I've told people that they're three. It was those three, and they're like, that wasn't one guy. Hmm. And I was like, no. Well, you know, Al Jardine and Br and Mike Love sound pretty really similar. similar. Like Al Jardine is the version of Mike Love who can actually sing. That yes. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 conversely, you could say Mike Love is the shitty. <laughs> Al Jardine. Shitty version of Al Jardine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Wilson and Sachin wrote lyrics to the song that criticized people who abuse LSD as a form of escapism. And after Love voiced objections to its drug references because he's so pious. Mike Love. Wilson allowed him to revise the message to be about finding meaning within oneself. Although the references to ego were eliminated, the key line... They trip through the day and waste all their thoughts at night remained. So in 1990, an earlier mix of the song featuring the group singing alternate lyrics was released as a bonus track on the album CD re reissue. And uh, there have been a lot of cover versions of this. So, you know, 
It's about doing drugs, man. What? The song from the 60s about doing drugs? Shocking. And I have two covers of this. The first cover is by Frank Black from the album Frank Black in 1993, which had like 18 songs on on it. And then um, the second cover is by the Vitamin String Quartet. And the album is VSQ Performs the Beach Boys Pet Sounds that came out in 2005. So the Frank Black sucks. <laughs> so I'll read this. <laughs> Pixie's biographer John Mendelson remarked that Thompson's rendition could be played in an actual discotheque, the kind in which men in tight-fitting shirts with extremely pointed collars try to persuade women with big hair and ankle bracelets to have sex with them without there being a stampede for the exits. <laughs> So it's this weird, loud guitar, punk rock thing, multi-track vocals, a weird cadence, loud drums. It does have like a disco beat to it, kind of. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Well, the, the, the real problem, I mean, this doesn't sound very good, good but... The main problem with this would be that overall, at the top of all that, would be Frank Black's voice. Yes. <laughs> and that is the biggest problem of all. Of all. And yes. this is very anthemic 1990s. Pick any of those stupid bands from the, the 90s. And it's... Yeah, well, we'll hear it in a second. Um, yeah, it's weird. Okay. Uh, and then the second cover by the Vitamin String Quartet, which is an annoying name. Uh, It's a bunch of L.A. session musicians, two violins, a viola, and a cello. Viola and a cello. In 1999, they did a Zeppelin tribute album and have released over 120 albums since 2005. 120 albums they've released of doing covers of other bands. And I bet they all sell so well. Including the Foo Fighters and Billie Eilish. Like, that's how recent they put out a record. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Kooky. And I'm a sucker for string quartets, and I love strings and stuff. Uh, So, yeah, we'll hear these and then come back. It's interesting. Say that. 
Okay, so the gay disco version. And you, honestly, <laughs> now now that I've actually heard that Black Francis version or Frank Black or whatever the fuck he's calling himself this Frank week, Black. His voice actually isn't that annoying in that in that particular track. It's okay. That in fact my comment earlier was that that would be the worst part of it. And actually, I now say the inverse. Oh, look at that. The worst part to you is everything else. <laughs> So, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, you're a musician, and you, uh, you know, you record music and do things. I <laughs> do things. And do things. Yeah. So, can you tell me if this exists during that time period of the '90s? A lot of these bands have this particular sound, and it's from the production. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. Like, it's sort of reverby, slightly echoed, but not really kind of mashed together. Like, the way his voice, it was multi-track, you know, for the backing part. But a lot of these 90s songs have that sound affect. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't about? know if I really know what you're talking about. Like... Especially the anthemic kind of songs, um, you know, like that, or tub thumping, or um, especially if they have a lot of a lot of electronics in Wait, it. Wait, tub thumping is that I get knocked up and I put out again? Correct. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, get no tub. Then I, I put, put out, out again. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just all seem to me to me seem to have this sound, this sheen to it. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on yeah, it. Yeah. You know what? I don't really know. But the funny thing about the 90s... The 90s! The 90s! Is that the, the big thing during that time was to sound as raw and real as possible, but they put so much technology and production into sounding raw and real. Yeah. Like, I remember somebody, I think it was Phil, our friend Phil from Tragedy, formerly Tragedy, talking about somebody that he knew who had been either producing or engineering uh, PJ Harvey... And he said she would spend three days trying to find just the right mic to make her voice sound fucked up, you know? Oh, boy. You know, to make it sound like she had just, like, grabbed some random realistic mic from Radio Shack and put it in there. Put it there. Yeah. When would have saved a lot of money and time to go to Radio Shack and buy some shitty mic. Oh, whatever, you know, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, why not go into uh, an actual garage and record it. You're going to put all that waste all that time and money into trying to sound a certain way when you could just go into a room and sound that way. Mm. Stoops. Yeah. So uh what do you think about the Vitamin String Quartet? Yeah, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's pretty indistinct. <laughs> I mean, it's that particular style. I mean, it does what it needs to do. I'm just uh yeah, you know. I I like it because I as I've said I'm a sucker for strings and uh but the thing about when quartets do this cover rock songs thing especially something like this that's so uh well known especially the chorus part that you automatically sing along to it filling in the vocal that's missing because it's a string quartet right well they do kind of give you a bit of the melody so yeah they lead you along because the the viola is the bass harmonica part, 
and then the violins on top, and then the cello is the bass. So I like the arrangement, but what I kind of don't like about things like this is that, especially when they pick iconic stuff like that other band, Rasputina, that we talked about in a oh. previous episode. <laughs> Ooh, I haven't talked about in previous episodes. I had episode. blissfully forgotten about them. Yeah, Thank you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, how many kind of effects can you do with strings? And, you know, if you're not singing along with it, it's just kind of missing something. I don't know. It's empty. Right. So, yeah. obviously, the Beach Boys win here because... Oh, yeah. The fucking Beach Boys. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Pet Sound songs, I mean, pretty much... I'm just going to say in advance, anything you're going to put up against it, Beach Boys win. Yeah, period. <laughs> Exactly. So that's it. That's six songs. That's episode 25. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. Stay tuned for episode 26. And uh, listen to Pet Sounds with good headphones. That's my advice. If you've never done it before or if you haven't done it in a long time, listen to Pet Sounds. It's one of the best albums ever recorded. I love that album. And listen to Romeo's tune. All right. Thanks, everybody. Happy motoring. Happy motoring.